I'm Joanne Wilson, and this is Positively Gotham Gal, meaningful conversations with women entrepreneurs about their approach to life, business, and everything in between. Ariel Kay is the founder and CEO of Parachute Home, a retail business with the mission of supplying consumers with the best sheets, the best bedding, and the best home essentials on the market. They also have fabulous candles. Ariel and I discussed how her background in branding and advertising really informed her ability to thoughtfully and methodically build her business from one sheet to an entire home goods and lifestyle brand. I always say, well, Ariel, first she did sheets, then she did sheets, then she did sheets, and then she brought a towel. Yep. And I think that's the key to your success. Yeah. But why sheets? So (laughs) lots of reasons why sheets. But, um, you know, for me, I think it was, I was a super consumer. So shopping a lot in the home space, helping friends and family decorate their homes. Found myself at this, like, time in life where I was ready to do something different. And saw this opportunity within the home space in general. But as I looked more and did more kind of digging within the category, I realized that your bedroom and the sheets that you sleep in are just such an important part of your life. Um, you spend a 30 life in bed, sleep impacts everything. And sheets historically have been this product that you buy off the shelf because it's in front of you, because you're desperate, because the current sheets you have have holes in them or are stained <laughs> and are disgusting. And you go into a big box retailer and you just buy something because it's there. And it's been this completely un differentiated experience that has been also like confusing and frustrating and um, And not connected to a brand and not connected to a brand. So zero brand loyalty um, at all. And, you know, in licensing crap and it's all the same. And so it's all packaged the same. It's all stacked the same. And um, there just really is no emotional connection. But yet this is a product that you like I said, use a third of your life. Yeah, and totally. so, and it really does have an impact. So I felt like there was this huge opportunity to kind of converge this wellness thinking and this emotional connection that you could have with a brand that I think consumers were yearning for and longing for with brands um, and actually just choosing for. It's like, I don't need to spend money with brands that don't mean anything to me that aren't valuable, that aren't adding some sort of, you know, education or whatever it is. So many like, uh, you know, a lifestyle brand starting with sheets, but let's go backwards. Yeah. So where'd you grow up? LA. You grew up in the LA, so you're still in LA area. And um, were you always sort of interested in, you know, how you're how your bedroom looked and all that kind of stuff when you were a kid? Um, not as much when I was a kid, but definitely once I left the house and especially once I had my first apartment, there was this real sense of pride mm-hmm. when I moved into my first I appreciate apartment. It. Totally. And, and I like, you know, love, I love hosting. So I love having people over and cooking dinner and just having my friends around all the time. So I found myself really taking a lot of effort and, and really you know, spending time decorating and refreshing yeah. and just, you know, and wanting to show that off. Yeah, because you live in it. I mean, it makes such exactly. a difference. When I was a kid, you know, I worked like three jobs from the time I was 15 years yeah. old. And the first thing I did with my money is I renovated my entire bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> and I like painted the stripes on the wall. I was well, like, I was totally owned it. Yeah. I was totally into it. Yeah. And it was just so fun. And, you know, I was living in New York at the time and had this like first apartment and I just, I cared a lot and that was really fun. So you left LA to basically go to New York to go to school. Yeah. I went to NYU, um, and then I went to grad school, and I worked a number of different jobs in all sorts of industries and was 
kind of confused for many years in terms of what I wanted to do. Um, did, but, did you go directly into grad school? Right no, I worked in PR. Um, I worked as a publicist for a few years. And before that, I actually thought I was going to go to law school. Um, but um, after a few years, found myself just kind of at a crossroads. I had had two PR jobs and an advertising job in the course of <laughs> two and a half years. So <laughs> nothing was sticking. So you really didn't enjoy it? No, I wasn't. It wasn't really satisfying. Um, like the both sides of my brain in a way that I was hoping it, my job would. And, um, so which is the why culture, you led to graduate yeah, school? And then I like found myself just sort of desperate for something different and realized that I could buy myself some time by getting more education right. and right. figuring more it out. More education in your brain. Yeah. And actually it was in grad school that I started this home design blog, um, just as something to do because I was so into my home. And at that point I had moved into an even better apartment in New York that was really big and just unusual, um, for all intents and purposes for New York, for New York apartments. apartments. Yeah, it was huge. And just, I had this massive bedroom and this huge living room and it really became the party hangout place for my friends. And so I started doing a lot of renovation projects and then I started having friends ask me for their design input and helping them design places. And so I had this blog that was sort of a scrapbook, um, and also this was like way before blogs were cool. I mean, it was like 2007 that I started my blog. And so, um, I just started, which is um, a long time ago. I mean, a long time so ago. I, was we're now 2018, and I started my blog 15 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that was a early, long time, yeah. early, early stuff. Yeah, if I I could have been a blogger, um, but I you know I, I think st- you did all right. <laughs> yeah. <it's fine. laughs> um, but yeah, I had this blog, and so it was like a it was a scrapbook. It was fun. It was just I like, but I had had this passion for home that then I sort of realized in a different way um, through the blog, and and then found a job after um, grad school in advertising, which I actually really loved for many years and um, feel like it's been a huge part of the way that I've built Parachute. Because of what you've learned when you were in advertising. What interesting enough is people that you graduated with in graduate school well, isn't it Karen went? Oh yeah. Ran. Well, Karen and, and I Susanna. went to undergrad. Yeah, those are both from undergrad. But yes, that is true. I mean, that's pretty yeah, amazing. Those I know. are two other women that you've invested are, in, and that are also entrepreneurial yeah, people. Yeah. You know? So that's pretty amazing. So well, and like almost all of my close friends from high school all have their own companies too. We are like all a group of founders, which has been also a huge um, support and just like you know, it's really nice to be friends with people that you grew up with who also get what well, it's like. Well, going through the same shits yeah, of what it's like to exactly, build a company. Exactly. And you can like really, you know, go out to dinner and just commiserate or celebrate, you know, but like understand the highs and lows and everything in between. Um, so that's fun. That's interesting. Now, yeah. when you were in advertising, you know, what kind of products did you work on? What were you doing? Were you doing product? Were you doing... I was on the strategic side of creative. So I was doing a lot of consumer behavior research, both qual and quant. And I was working, I worked on American Express for a long time. So with that, it was, I was working on everything from card products to membership rewards. And, um, but really there was this like under underlying like luxury consumer piece and also I was like the token millennial and the token person that was like could tap into you know being the advocate for the millennial shopper and so I was that person that was you know they were trying to appeal to that audience um and like you know the like merging affluent um you know mid-20s late early 30s um, consumer who was going to be getting an American Express card. So that was a big part of what I did. And then I worked on another, a bunch of other brands um, from time to time, like Burger King and- That's hilarious. Um, and Comcast, which is always fun. Um, 
and Panasonic. I mean, there was there was a ton of stuff. And actually, my favorite thing to do was work on new business pitches because those were like mini startup projects. We like got really deep and learned all about new areas and did some, you know, prototyping for different products. And um, but I was also really connected to the New York startup scene during those um, times. And um, I was sent to uh, South by Southwest every year. So I was really like, you're watching it from afar. I was watching it from far and wishing that I was in it. And so (laughs) and when so when I decided that it was time to kind of think about what was next, I knew that I wanted to make the jump to something that was more entrepreneurial and definitely be in a just a quicker paced environment because being at an ad agency with I don't know a thousand people in the New York office and working for huge mega brands there's so much red tape and just things don't move fast and oh, so I'm sure you don't get to see the fruits of your labor right. in a way that um, you definitely do when you're building something so when you decided you know I mean because like Anyone can have the entrepreneurial spirit, yeah. but it's about having a good idea. Those are two separate things. Sure. And I think that there's actually, I find it comical how they teach entrepreneurship mm-hmm. in um, business school. But at the end of the day, if you don't have an idea, right. you can't be an entrepreneur. Sure. Or you can, but it might not go anywhere. Exactly. And so um, so when did you did you make the leap and start this prior to quitting ad agency? You just said, screw this, I'm... I'm closing shop. I'm clo- uh, moving my apartment. I'm moving to LA. I I was. It was the end of 2012 when, like, literally the last few days of the year, um, when the idea for parachute really came into into mind. And I had you know a meeting with a friend in New York. And um, was it just singing in your head? Yeah, you it was just, just like, like this is an idea. I mean, the, what was going on though? Also at the same time was that direct consumer businesses were just really starting to gain momentum. Right, you know, like Warby, Warby Parker, Parker was really yeah. picking up. Speed and I was just like, wait a second, like this makes sense. And I really thought critically about it because I knew it wasn't going to make sense for every category or for every product line. Although we're trying to make it. <laughs> Everyone is trying to make that yes. happen. But I, it's it just like in reality, there are reasons why certain categories work direct to consumer and other ones don't like don't need to be or they're just there's too many other brands and there's already brand loyalty. And so I realized that a lot of the characteristics of what I believed would make a successful direct to consumer business were in like I, I saw that in the home space. Um, so the first part of the year, like it, all throughout January, I was still working, but was spending a lot of time um, working also on this idea. So like building a pitch deck and talking to anyone and everyone I knew that had worked in home textiles. I was doing a lot of product research, buying all the products that I could find in New York, um, sampling, just like seeing what was out there and and trying to understand if this was actually a feasible idea. And then by mid-February, I was like, oh, I'm, this is it. I'm taking the plunge. I'm doing it, um, which was <laughs> like completely premature and um you know yes and no yes and no I mean it all it all worked out in the (laughs) end but what I really wanted to do was um well I wanted to move back I knew I was going to move back to LA to start this but I also I wanted to know how these products were made because I'm not a textile designer by trade and you know I knew what I liked and I knew the aesthetic and I had this like idea for a product assortment and a lot of that you know never changed like I really from the beginning and from those early inception moments like it's the idea for parachute and how we've evolved was already there but I needed to understand like what it actually took to make a sheet and well so. that's interesting because you know you see a lot of these new I mean I've seen all the decks you've seen a yeah. lot of the companies of people that and you know are graduating from grad school they've decided we're going to be in the world of making gym clothes mm-hmm. and nobody has ever designed a pair of shorts in their entire life. Yeah. You know, or 
And, and that is such a personal thing too, mm-hmm. like style and clothing. Right. I mean, very different than sheets. Yes. It's a, it's a very, very different yes, business. And I see them all the people. time or like, we're going to start a company making this, but we've never, or, you know, we're going to make, do a company in agriculture. We've never spent any time in agriculture, but we really feel <laughs> that there should be this in the agricultural yeah. world. Yes. Yes. And you could argue that I was there at the beginning. I mean, sheets are, uh, but everyone uses a sheet. Everyone uses a sheet. They're standard sizes. You're not designing for a body type although at this point now that we have robes we sort of are but it's a different product anyway um it's not like clothes at all um in reality but so i i just needed to understand and so there was only so much that you know the internet at that point could teach me about how to manufacture these products right so i i found myself calling and like getting in touch with a number of different factories throughout europe and for me it was always about europe because i knew that Building a brand required building trust, and I knew that quality was going to be so inherent. It's in very that. different over there. I mean, I just came back randomly enough yeah. from Paris doing the design of a house, mm-hmm. and those products, yeah, they're not here. Yeah, you literally cannot find those products here, yep. and it's really strange. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they look at home is in a very, very different way. Yeah. And to me, it was really important that I was able to tell a story about what we were doing and who we were working with and that there was- Well, you learned that from your ad days. Yeah, exactly. Like I knew that there had to be a compelling narrative and this like really interesting story behind that we could tell and that would be intriguing and inspiring for people. So I went directly to Portugal and Italy because that's where this heritage is and that's like where the best sheets in the world have been made and found a lot of family-owned factories that have been doing this for over 100 years and passed down from generation to generation. And just like these people are actual craftsmen, like they're actual artisans. And that word also gets thrown out a ton, you know, in in ways that aren't really actually accurate. But these are like people that know this craft and they understand, I mean, you you look at the Gucci family or like, you know, um, you know, there's so many different families, Masoni family. I mean, these are years of Zenga. Totally. I mean, all of it. They're really, and you know, they care so much. It's not just about, you know, they care about the product and they care about the land and they care about- They live it. They breathe it. And they're so, I mean- they like wear a three-piece suit to the factory <laughs> right. every day. I mean, it's just it's such a different culture. Yeah, it's just this like appreciation for the finer things. And so, you know, for me, it was about understanding if I could afford to buy these products and if we could sell them, you know, at a, at a agreeable the price. That price. Makes sense. Yeah. Right. And, um, well, you got rid of the middleman right there. Right. And, you know, and actually design a collection that made sense. And, um, so I brought like a huge suitcase full of all the samples of all the things that I liked and sat down and it was such an eye opening experience. I mean, the, what people, a lot of people don't know, and we've actually shot a lot of videos now at our factories, but you know, the, you need so much space to make a sheet. Like it, the machines are huge. Huge. They're like football field sides, I'm airplane sure. hangers, <laughs> and there's many of them. Like th- it starts at this thread and it goes throughout this like crazy process. So many people touch the product. It's so detail oriented. Um, and it just blew my mind. I mean, if like all the excitement that I felt leading fabrics. up to that, yeah, they're, they're making it's out of a thread. Um, and even a fiber before that, like it's just, it's beyond. And so um, I came back from that trip just like completely consumed and like ready to hit the ground running, but also had no idea where to begin, um, which was <laughs> fun and confusing and sometimes sad and sometimes exciting. Um, all of the emotions. But, um, I really like realized that, you know, this could be something big and it was something that I felt so passionate about and just, it was like, 
game on. Like, this is it. It's time. And so what was the first move? I mean, parachute, which is a great name. And mm-hmm. how'd you come up with that? It's inspired by the movement of the fabric when you make the bed. So that billowing, you know, sheet as it, as it falls down when you shake it. Um, but really, I mean, we had some bad names um, before Doesn't parachute. everybody? Yeah. It's <laughs> like... It's, that's a tough part of the process. It's a really part of the process. And then you have to build a brand around it. So totally. It, it, in many ways, in many ways, the name makes sense, but doesn't make sense into any product yep. because you have to just build a brand around it. Yeah. I mean, if you think about all these iconic brands, it's like so random what they're named, but now it's like, of course, it's just synonymous with whatever. And so when you raise money, when the beginning, I don't remember, did you have a product or not yet? Yeah. I raised money. I had launched in... Well, I got a little bit of money from being in Launchpad, and that basically went in one day and then out directly to the manufacturer the next to buy our first batch of inventory. Right. Like the entire check, every single penny of it. Um, it's just like, oh, cool, I've got money in this bank account. There it goes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Off to the sheets. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the product came in, and then I launched in January of 2014 and um, was able to raise that seed round. Um, I believe it was around March that it happened. So I'd launched had a few months of data, you know, which is like... Well, it's funny because, I mean, and my thesis has changed so much and just even in terms of, um, although I still think that the one thing I've done really well is invest in super scrappy people that are survivors. But I remember when, um, you know, Karen said, you have to meet my friend Arielle. She's doing this company called Parachute and um, you need to talk to her. And I was like, what is it exactly? And the minute she told me, I was like, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. Yeah. It's just so smart. Yeah. I mean, no one has done that. Yeah. I mean, we were first to market and obviously the space has gotten way more crowded and like all of a sudden there's a ton of mattress companies and there's a whole bunch of things, but you know, there had never really been a true brand. Right. And for me coming from a brand background, like that really, like, I mean, I said it was a huge aha moment. Like, wait a second, I can do what I love to do, which build a new brand in a category that really needs one and that consumers would appreciate. And something you care about. And something but it's interesting about. what you just said is to build a brand, right? Mm-hmm. I think that one thing that you've done, and a lot of these brands are not doing, is they're they're building jello shots. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're not building a brand, but they're not getting... I like to look behind the curtain and say, yeah. how much are you paying for customer acquisition? Yeah. How often is this customer coming back? How loyal is this customer? You know, and you know, what you've done is you've been very methodical of building a very solid foundation and being insanely scrappy about the amount of money you spend, Um, you know, from building out your office to, we can talk about, you know, why you made the decision to do brick and mortar as well as, um, you know, an online business, which I think was a really smart thing, but you've always been very methodical and thought thinking about how you build that foundation. It's always been super important to me. I think also because I started this business at a time where I was already watching businesses kind of skyrocket to success and then sadly crash and burn. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think for With tons me, of capital. Yeah, with tons of capital. And I really saw that as like a cautionary tale. I mean, for me, it's always been, you know, we spent the past four years actually building the engine to like 
to now transition into, you know, building something that's much bigger. But from the day one, it's always been about, you know, real business metrics. I think so many people focus on these top line revenue numbers. You know, it's like you're going to acquire the customer at any cost. Um, and it can be really detrimental, you know, and you can also, I mean, we've, we look at loyalty from the first time you see the brand and how we communicate, you know, really in the business of building emotional connections, not transactions. And right. I think that's a big difference um, in terms of what our strategy is and, and what a lot of people do. It's like, you Customers know, they, are smart. Well, and you know, for us, what we see so often is that people, you know, you pay for, you incentivize your customers with, you know, 30% off or $20 back on your first purchase. And then you pay them to give you a good review. And then you pay them to do this and you pay them to do that. You pay the, and it's just, you know, it's building this like experience that isn't authentic. Um, and it's, you know, cutting a lot of corners and doing things that just. And money pissing into the wind totally. and the valuation getting, you know, ridiculously overpriced. Yeah. I totally agree. So when. Was it, you know, did you always have in the back of your mind that the, or, or did you see it? I mean, certainly we saw it with Warby Parker's, yeah. but, you know, you have this direct-to-consumer business. You're growing it online. I've always been a fan of 80% online, 20% yeah. brick and mortar. Yeah. When was you were like, okay, we need to open a store and now is the time? Well, I think, you know, we always... I always knew from the beginning that people, like people historically have 90% of purchases have made offline. And when you look at all of the- And they still are. Yeah. Groceries, 97%. When you look at the incumbents, it's like, you know, any of the big, big players, um, you know, between 75%, 85% of their- um, of their sales are happening offline mm -hmm. and they've got hundreds of stores. Some have thousands of stores and, um, you know, it, they're also mostly furniture brands at their core that also sell sheets. But, um, you know, I think f what I saw was that people respond in a different way when they touch and feel the product and you're never going to be able to replicate that online. Although we try many ways with video and, and just images and, um, bringing the products to life. But and at one point you used to be able to get swatches. You, you, you can still request them secretly um, and we'll send them to you for free we just don't it's like became too big of a deal it's and, a major deal yeah it's just it's too much money it's a lot of labor it's a lot of labor and we couldn't automate that at our distribution you center. cannot you can actually there are companies that can do it for you and you can um but it's still yeah, it's just, we, we they're they serve a purpose for a specific customer we're happy to you know give them the swatches that they need but in general it felt like a lot going to the bedside drawer and it just wasn't worth it. But, um, you know, the, the response that we were getting from people that were seeing the products, putting it between their hands was just like, whoa, these are so good. Um, and I really, and they are. yeah, and they're, they are, but you know, I look at stores as this way to build, you know, it's a few different things. It's obviously revenue driving, which is great, but for us, it's like putting a stake in the sand and really having presence and this awareness play and this community driving opportunity for us. Cause we look at our stores, not just as again, transactional transactional, you know, locations, they, we host events, we have pop-ins, we do a lot of stuff within communities. And so they're really a way for us to bring the brand to life and drive this lifestyle um, brand and also create beautiful spaces. I mean, I think what we do also that's so differently than traditional retailers is like our stores are between 450 and 800 square feet. Um, or I guess right now, well, yeah, that's where we're tracking and that's what we're doing. And um, so they're small, but we're, and we're not, we don't have beds. Intimate. We don't have beds on the floor. Like it's, we've got pillows and we've got all the fabrics. You can see everything and see the colors together and the way that the fabrics look um, when they're paired next to each other. But it's really like going into the living room and people like want to buy the chairs and the, and the 
tables and, and it's great. everything. Yeah. And you can continue to partner with companies that make sense to come in for like a couple of weeks and totally. be in the store. Yeah. And it's just really fun. Um, it brings the brand to life. I mean, and there's also people like we want to be where our customers are and we are 100% aware that there are people that prefer to shop offline. And so we also want to be able to service those customers. Too. And we get a lot of people that come into the store that are like, I've been you know, following you guys forever. I'm so excited to see the product in person. And then they're ready to shop and then they shop online and it's, you know, it's easy. Right. Um, because they know what they want. Yeah. And, but then, you know, you added more. So you added these gorgeous towels mm-hmm. that are amazing. Yes. And, um, you know, long time on sheets then into towels then into robes, now into children's. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that sort of happened quicker because, yeah. you know, you'd already built what you're going to be able to do. Yep. Yeah. So we launched, we waited two years before we launched a towel and then we just launched one towel and we gave that like some breathing room and listened to customers and made sure that, you know, the product was working within our assortment. Um, and it was, and then we launched robes, um, and those were just like this huge success for us. And then, um, yeah, I'm obsessed with our robes, but, and then a year after we first launched our first towel collection, we introduced shower curtains and bath mats and tub mats. And so then we had this like full bath assortment and that was really exciting because it actually gave us, um, a chance, uh, gave us an opportunity to really market those products as a collection, um, and actually do so profitably, which like you mentioned is really important from a customer acquisition cost. And so we were able to acquire customers through Bath in a more meaningful way. And um, So you're in intimate areas. Yeah, we like, we're intimate areas of the home. And like, we like to be, we like to think about all these places where you're like, where comfort can be enhanced and be the brand that does enhance it. Right. And Uh, nobody's really doing that in the children's space either. No. And so, I mean, our collection with baby and, um, and toddler and all that stuff is, um, was completely by demand. I mean, our customers, were, you know, wanted our products. We don't use any toxic chemicals or synthetic finishes in our products for adults, right? larger people. And mm-hmm. so they were like, why can't, can we just get the mini? Like we, like, it's really actually hard to find great quality products. And also the aesthetic, you know, we like don't want these bright colors always in our nurseries. We want them to be really relaxing. So, um, we took a lot of cues from our customers there and, um, we're expanding that collection quite a bit actually in the next few months. So which is pretty amazing. And yeah. so where are you brick and mortared at this point? So we've got two stores, um, today we're, we've got one in Venice and one in Portland, Oregon. And we've got um, a few more coming in the next few months. And so can you talk about where they're going to be? Um, We're opening in New York. Right. So on uh, Crosby and Grand. Which is like cannot be the more perfect location. I'm really excited about that. And that one, um, we are also really excited to be able to host events. It's a slightly larger store and we're making sure that we can host dinners in there. Which um, is great. But you did the right thing there too. It's like you, you... you waited until you found the right location. Yeah, absolutely. And we looked for a long time. I know it you was did. really hard to find a great location. Um, it's so weird because there's a lot available, but it just wasn't the right fit for us. Um, but we did a pop-up actually last December in New York, and that was really fun. In and that a, location. And that in a different location. That, but, in, but that yeah, area. But that area, yeah. And it was, you know, it was great to just tell people like, hey, we're coming and get that response and um and just and just you know, test what it would look like, but that should open in April. And I'm super excited about that store. Um, and then we're opening one in Silver Lake. Interesting. Yeah. Fantastic. So we're going to, that makes a lot of sense. We're going to do a second in LA since this is our hometown. We want to make sure that we're covered here. And, um, there's so many well, Silver Lake moving. versus Venice could be 
a different uh, it is. city. And, <laughs> and when we, we look at where our customers live, it's largely, in, those are like two main hubs for us. Right. So, um, and there's so much stuff happening downtown and Echo Park and all of those areas. So, um, it feels like a great place because we like again we're like we're very much a product that people need. So as you're moving, you know we want to be around and that, the area where we're um, we're going to be is really fun and it's got a lot of great neighbors and people That's that great. we like to to be around. So that's um, fantastic. And any other yeah. cities? Um, well, we're we're hoping for like a San Francisco this year and um, potentially Dallas and Chicago, but we're still very early in those stages. But we want to be in five. We want to have five new stores this year and could be quite a bit more next well, year. Well, it makes sense. I mean, those locations make a lot of sense. It's in, where in our urban customers areas. are. Exactly. Yeah. So we look at it two ways. It's like we want to be where our customers are. And then there's also areas um, where we under index a bit and we want to be like, we want to have a presence so we can grow the customer base. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's fun in in Venice and in Portland, we get, you know, the locals and the people that live here, but we also get a lot of tourists coming by and people that um, are in town and have heard about us and just want to see the products in person. And um, so we, again, we want to be where our customers are and definitely major metropolitan areas is, is where we'll start. But, um, you know, I see a world by like 2020 where we have, you know, 25 stores. Which and- is amazing. And do you, and what, how about in terms of product? Do you see, you know, you're, you know, you're in, in children, you're in, full-on bath mm-hmm. you know do you see other products you want to so go? we have tabletop right now too so we've got some table linens and napkins and placemats and that kind of stuff and that's been really fun because it's like the most communal and they're beautiful i ordered part of our product you know, i saw them they came up i'm yeah. like i want to try those out um they're fun we like we designed them so that they could be machine washed easily and you know they don't need to be ironed and um it's a very casual feel yeah exactly which goes in terms with the brand exactly um like your everyday linens i'm really trying to use more cloth now napkins instead of paper towels personally it's a goal so you know it's good to have them around um and then uh we're like starting to think about rugs and as a potential new category um it'll be like a ways away we're very early right in thinking and trying to develop our point of view but i think for us what we what we try to do is like really understand our point of view what we want to be in this category how are the products that we can what are the products we want to introduce first um and i mean we've got a ton of new stuff happening in bedding and bath and table and baby actually all this year so we've got about 45 new styles coming out which is huge yeah that's just great yeah all right well, thank you so much for coming. Yeah, of I course. love Parachute. Of course, I'm an investor in Parachute <laughs> and all full, you know, uh, disclosure. But, you know, it's been really fun watching your journey. And it's Thanks. really, um, you know, it, it's been interesting watching your journey and being involved in the journey as I see so many different consumer brands. And, I, and I'm and i a big believer, not only in the brand, but how you have built the business in a very mm. thoughtful, methodical, scrappy way you know not just by pouring a bunch of money into something and thinking it's going to stick on the wall and i think that is one of the things that we keep talking about in this podcast which is it's not easy and it's not a quick fix yeah it's not it's definitely not a sprint it's a marathon it is a marathon yeah for sure yeah and it's also i mean no brands were built overnight so i think that's like it's like what i keep telling myself what our team talks about i mean there there are reasons why brands take time and um Cutting corners just never, never works out. It never works out. No. And, you know, I mean, in 2020, when you'll look back, you'll be having completely different conversations. Yep. Well, I'm know? looking forward to that, but I'm, <laughs> I'm willing to wait a bit. <laughs> it's, it's not a that lot. far along. Yeah, I know. But there's, let's, 
take that slow, but yeah, no, it's really exciting. We're, I'm really excited about the brand and how things are growing and it's gonna be a big year for us. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah. thank you for coming. Thanks. Our thanks to Ariel for joining us on the podcast this week. And if you haven't had a chance to check out Parachute yet, I highly recommend you do. Their sheets are the softest you'll find anywhere. The colors are nice and warm and soothing, and the rest of their products are pretty great too. You can check them out at parachutehome.com. Thank you.